The subjects discussed in this podcast are sensitive and at times may be uncomfortable and controversial. The intent is not to teach or educate. The intent is to provoke independent thought through faith to better understand our differences and embrace them. Human conservation faces the challenges of today's society head-on by leaving our comfort zones and having the courage to discuss difficult subjects that keep us all divided. Pull up a chair and join me at the table as we search for ways to better connect with one another. The Human Conservation Podcast with host Reverend Corby Willette. Restoring faith in humanity by exploring the paths of culture, history, science, nature, and spirituality. Promoting human conservation through human conversation. Welcome to the Human Conservation Podcast. This is your host, Reverend Corby. I hope everyone has had a blessed week. Last week we were talking about good stewardship and we touched on preserving God's creation and how all living things are God's creation uh, and that it's our responsibility as individuals to preserve that and take care of that uh, as a form of good stewardship. This week we're going to head into a slightly different direction and we're going to be talking about commitment. I'm not going to go to Webster on this one because there are so many definitions of commitment, like committing a sin or committing adultery. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about keeping your word, that type of commitment, or following through on what you said you were going to do. I personally think that faith plays a large role when we make commitments to people because we ourselves, our faith is based on promises that God has made to us and promises fulfilled. So that gives us the confidence to make promises to other people. And in the, in the spirit of being Christ-like, we honor those commitments. The problem is we are seeing such a shrinking of faith, especially in this country, that somebody's word no longer holds any value. Even people with really good intentions now, they'll say things willy-nilly and then they never come to fruit. Think into your personal relationships like with friends or you see somebody that you haven't seen in a long time and, oh, we should get together. And then it never happens. And then another two years goes by and you say, yeah, you know, we said we were going to get together and it never happened. Well, why is that? It seems like it's harmless, but it's it's really not. Let's go to the word. We're in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 4, and it reads, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. Basically, what I believe that's saying is don't make commitments that you can't keep or don't make commitments that you don't intend to keep, even if they're just little seemingly harmless things like, hey, I'll catch up with you next week. Hey, I'll give you a call. God doesn't like this type of thing. You know, a little while ago, we were just talking about how faith is shrinking uh, in the United States, faith in all things. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about 
the whole Roe versus Wade and the overturning of it and now the states are beginning to ban abortion and other states are upholding and there's this this struggle but something worse happened well i mean i shouldn't say something worse but there was something else that came out of that decision that was bad and listen i've already declared that i believe that that was a really bad decision but there's other reasons why besides the morals of it and that is you can't just hit the reset button and go back to 1972 the problem is is because that decision was made it destroyed america's faith now in the Supreme Court, right, wrong, or otherwise, there is so much shade and doubt now cast on the Supreme Court that there aren't very many people, right or left, that now believe that they can make a valid decision on anything. That is scary. And I do want to point out the reason why that was a bad decision also is the fact that if you can go back and overturn something from 1972, what else do you have the power to go back and overturn? Gay marriage? All kinds of other things? That brings fear, and fear is starting to now replace faith. So the the point, the object to human conservation and, and what we need to do as people, as good, decent people is restore faith. So how do we do that? I mean, there's a lot of little things that we can do, but one of those things is getting to a point of commitment. Now, I'm going to walk a razor's edge for a moment, and I ask you guys, be patient and and hear me out. But in the last couple of days, there were some really severe storms in the state of South Dakota. Now, I used to live in South Dakota, and it's probably the most conservative state or one of the most conservative states in the United States. Um, And these squalls came in. They weren't quite tornadoes and really wreaked havoc in Beetle County with the Huron area near Sioux Falls. Did a lot of damage. And I was seeing posts from my friend four hours after the storm devastated it. And people were out there in chainsaws in their neighbor's yards pulling garbage out of the street and removing trees and it was just this incredible picture of people just working hard and banding together and nobody was really whining in these videos or complaining it was just something bad happened we all need to pitch in and we all need to help now you come over here to the east coast and something like that happens and everybody looks out the window and goes when is somebody going to come clean my yard It's two completely different mindsets. Now, the reason why I bring this up isn't to say that the conservative way is better and the liberal ways uh, of New York City uh, are not. That's not the point. What I'm trying to paint a picture of is that there is good on still on both sides of the fence. There are still good values that come from the conservative side, and there are good values that come from the liberal side. We have to get to that point where we don't see each other as opposing sides. And that is is the trick. That's what's so tough right now. But what I liked about those people in South Dakota and those videos I watched was there was a commitment to each other. There was hard work being done by friends, neighbors, people that were okay, that made it through those storms unscathed, were out in the yards of the people that had damage and the people that were... Uh, having issues and problems due to these storms. 
that's what living life, that's what getting a good community is all about, is getting that level of commitment to one another first. So forget about the Supreme Court. Forget about Trump. Forget about Biden falling off his bike. All these things. What we need to do is to tune out that noise and focus on each other and what we can do for one another to make our lives better. And I promise you that we're going to slowly start moving in the right direction. But in order to do that, in order to be able to make a commitment, let's go back to that scripture for a second, to make a vow, we can't delay in fulfilling it. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, we have to do it. If you don't, they now lose faith in your word. And we all know how people like to talk. You don't have to wrong each individual person in your life. We're at a time nowadays where you just wrong one person and it'll spread like wildfire. And this isn't a new thing where people's word doesn't mean much anymore because of generations of not honoring commitment. Like when I lived in South Dakota in 2000, it was 14 miles from where I lived on the ranch to where I worked. And there's one gas station in between. So I remember just being tight. It was at the end of the week. I used to get paid bi-weekly. Uh, and I just stopped in. And this is when you could actually put five bucks worth of gas in your car. And I, I pulled in and I said five bucks. And the guy's like, just five bucks? Because I know the guy because he works at the only gas station within 50 miles of the area. And he says, just five bucks? And I said, yeah, I just need enough to get me to work. I get paid tomorrow and I'll fill up tomorrow. And the guy looks at me and he goes, here, I'll fill you up and just, just get me tomorrow. It's no big deal. And I was like taken aback because being from the East Coast, I wasn't used to that, that like Midwestern hospitality. And I was kind of taken aback and I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, just get me tomorrow. But see, here's the difference. Like the values there are still as such that if I didn't honor that commitment, if I didn't come back in the next day and pay, which I obviously I did, the whole community would have known about it. And that courtesy would not have been extended to me anymore. But they still give you the chance. Like, your word is still meaningful until you give people a reason not to trust you. I remember coming home from work out there one day, and I opened up my front door, and there was a note on my coffee table inside my living room that said, your dog got out. I put him in his crate. If you need anything, let me know, Glenn. And like immediately, like I saw anger in my eyes because somebody, wait, somebody just walked into my house. They found my dog and they, I know they found my dog, but they just, you just opened up the door. You walked into my house, didn't think anything of putting my dog in the crate and you left me a note, which means you must have gone into my kitchen and opened up the drawer where I keep a paper and pencil. But that's just, it's only really once you get used to it, it's people care about you. It's just the right thing to do. They look out for one another. And once you're used to it, it's kind of refreshing. But I realized and I learned from living out there. And let me tell you something, it was the probably the biggest two years of personal growth of my entire life. I learned a lot about myself living in a community like that. And when I used to talk to the locals out there, they they couldn't fathom why somebody from the New York City area would want to move to central South Dakota. 
and how difficult it must have been to make that adjustment. You know, and it was like an old country song by Travis Trick called Where the Corn Don't Grow. And that is really true. And the theme of it is basically like a kid grows up on a farm and feels like the world's turning slow. So he heads to the cities, either New York or Los Angeles or whatever. And, you know, there's a line in the song, you're going to change your mind because the weeds are high where corn don't grow. And that's the truth. There was it was actually a lot harder for me making a transition from only living out there for two years and then coming back to the city because I had to come back to where people didn't care anymore, to where you share a condo and your door is literally up against your neighbor's door and you don't even know who they are or what their name is and you've lived next to them for three years. We're out there, you know everybody within a a 50-mile radius of yourself. You know, my mom came out for a visit one time and she overshot the ranch that we lived on by 17 miles. I'm not exaggerating. And she stopped at the next ranch that she saw to ask for directions. Not only, he didn't just give her, he didn't even give her directions. He jumped in his truck and just said, follow me and drove 17 miles with my mom following him to the ranch. Like that to me is unbelievable. That is what's dying. And I don't care what your ideals are or what your belief systems are, that is a good quality for anyone. I blame it on two things, fear and money. One of the most damaging things in our society today is a fear of commitment. Everyone smiles and says, hey, good news, divorce rates are starting to decline finally. This is why you don't believe numbers and statistics that you see, because what's also declining is marriages. People just aren't getting married anymore. And why is that? Is it uh, legal reasons? Is it uh, marriages now become hogwash? Is it uh, just a decline in, in faith? But people just don't want to be committed to one another. And listen, it's not, uh, I've heard people bring up the whole LGBTQ stuff and that throws, listen, the divorce rates among them are actually higher than heterosexual couples. So they're suffering the same problems as we are as far as commitment goes. So that doesn't really enter into the equation. So what's the problem? Why don't people want to commit to one another anymore? Well, it's not an easy question to answer, and I'm sure that it is a multifaceted answer, and quite frankly, I don't have it. I can only speak for myself. You know, I didn't feel very valuable with my own life. I didn't feel very content in my own life until I got married and had children. You see these stories in the news uh, about people, you know, dumping their babies in dumpsters or leaving them on the front porch of the hospital or these types of things. And, and to me, that is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling how somebody could do that. You know, I, I talk to friends, and they, they have, they're estranged from family members and things like that. And it's just, this is exactly what the problem is. You know, I was watching an interview with, with Nick Cannon. He's a talk show host on, on TV. He's done other things. Uh, he's been with Mariah Carey. I don't know if they were ever actually married or not. But this guy's got like eight kids from like six different mothers. And when he was questioned about it, his response, I couldn't believe the response, was like, well, you're thinking of it Eurocentrically. No. There's no world, there is no culture 
where you don't get to take responsibility. You know, he was up there talking about how, you know, all the women that he slept with and that mothered his kids, he had selected and knew that they would be good mothers, and that's why he chose to be with them. Really? Really? That's that's a legitimate answer? And then when somebody questions it or, or asks about it, you basically get called a, a, a Eurocentric, you know, and you're, you're attacking black culture when nobody even brought that up. Like, that's not correct in any culture, any color of skin, nothing. That is a complete lack of commitment. And what is the result? You now have eight children with no example of commitment. Sorry. You don't get to use that as an excuse. As somebody that was raised by a single mother and watched the commitment that my mother made to me, the sacrifices that she made because my dad was a deadbeat, that's crap. You don't get to say that. And I got to stick up for the women on this one. I really got to go to bat for them too because more often than not, when the man bails out, the woman is left, and what does she have to do? She has to step up. She has to take care of her kids, and she has to go to work, hold down the fort to and from soccer practice, and provide the best life possible that they can. Now, that's not to say that there aren't exceptions. I, I actually am very close with a man who stepped up, fought for custody of his kids, and takes care of them. It's not every situation. It's case by case. But for the most part, the woman always gets the shaft here. You know, I've gone to church where I've seen scriptures explained in the Bible about the, the role of a wife. And the wife should remain silent. The wife should be submissive to her husband. The wife should support everything he does and, and all of that. And that's fine and well. Uh, there's a reason for it in there. And, oh, yes, but it says that the husband should honor his wife. You know what scripture I came across a week and a half ago that I've never heard read? I'm going to read it now. It's in the book of Proverbs, and it reads, A wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hands, she holds distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed, and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty and, f and beauty is fleeting.
but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. That is about the most powerful scripture I've ever heard about a woman slash wife in the Bible. I've never heard that preached in all of my years. I wanted to read that not so I would look cool to the female listeners. I wanted to read that because that entire passage is the definition of a commitment, of hard work, of looking out for one another, of teaching the right things, having the right values. It doesn't mean the woman is in the the kitchen cooking food. You can have gender roles, folks. I do all of the cooking in my house. Well, about 90% of it. I'm not afraid to admit that, and I'm not afraid to do it. The trade-off is, is I haven't done any laundry. My wife does the tasks that she likes. I do the tasks that I like, or I should say that we don't mind. Nobody likes doing laundry, really. But it works, and we communicate with one another, we respect one another, and we love one another. It's not something to be feared. It's something to be revered. It doesn't have to be something like marriage. In fact, it's got to start with the little things, with the, hey, I'll bring you the newspaper on Friday, and then actually following through with it. I made a commitment to somebody earlier this year that I actually thought was legitimately silly, but I followed through with that commitment, and the result became such a monumental amount of joy for me and my entire family. It's so cliche but we have to be kind to one another. We have to start investing in one another. The direction that our governments are going, the media is going, the churches are going, all of these institutions that have us pulling each other's hair out. These things have to be tuned out, and we have to get back to the basics of just human beings, sitting down with one another, interacting with one another, trying to understand one another, sympathizing with one another, and not worrying about what we see on TV or social media and what that tells us we should believe or not believe. I got a lot of messages of people that were surprised to find out that I was pro-choice because I'm a conservative minister. You know, there's a lot of people that feel like God has reneged on his commitment to us but the truth is is no no God's commitment stands it always has you just have to be willing to open the door if I tell you that next week I'm going to bring you a pizza on Friday and then I show up at your door knock on your door and you don't answer the door guess what you're not eating pizza and I can't deliver it to you So when God comes to fulfill his commitment to you and you don't open the door, you're not going to be eating God's pizza. So as we go out into the real world and we go back to the sickness and the reality of what we're becoming, I want to encourage people. I want to remind you to put the value of human life above all, regardless of who the person is. Have faith in one another. Take a chance on a friend or a coworker or a family member. Remember, again, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, it was love thy God. And then he said, 
Love one another as I have loved you. These two commitments are above all else. God didn't say, honor the your mother and father, thou shalt not kill. Those were all put behind, love thy neighbor as I have loved you. God wanted us to work together. So tune out the noise. Try and remember when you see something on TV that sparks emotion and you don't have the full story, stop, take a breath, think it through, talk to God about it, have faith that God will give you the right answer. Next week, uh, as we head towards the conclusion of season two, I'm going to do an episode on hope. I would like to talk about things that give us hope uh, for a future that doesn't look so bright in this country right now. Uh, But I kind of want to end it on an upbeat note. Next week's not the last episode. I think we're going to end it with a guest after that, but I'm still not certain of it. But uh, hope will be next week, so you're definitely not going to want to miss it. As always, thanks for stopping by to give me a listen. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show, make sure you give it a like and hit the subscribe button. This will get the word out and help others to find the podcast. If you'd like more information about me or how to book my services, you can find it at corby.com, spelled C-O-R-B-I-E-Y.com. And if you want to join the conversation, comments and questions can be sent to hcpodcast at corby.com. And that'll do it. I hope everyone has a blessed and fruitful week. And remember to be kind to one another, listen to one another, and try to understand one another. Because human conservation can only come about through human conversation.